everybody, this is Brittany, and welcome to our latest episode of the Reclusive Blogger Interviews. On this episode, I interview Patrick Cortez. The electronic musician is behind some of the coolest music on some of the biggest podcasts, including Undisclosed. Now he's releasing an independent solo album featuring euphoric and atmospheric sounds under the moniker Animal Weapon. The album, titled Set of Constraints, fuses electronic elements in lush dream pop. Uh, uh, hi, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you, Brittany? I am great. Uh, I've just mainly been uh, writing. I was I was doing an album review, so that was it. It was just I've been kind of busy with that all day. Oh, cool. How about you? Not too bad. Um, you know, feeling really good after having the album done, and um, just got to announce a cool uh, festival show yesterday. So I'm feeling pretty great these days. What was the festival that you um, announced? So um, it's called uh, Bull City Summit, and it's basically uh, Durham's. Uh, Durham is the next town over from Raleigh. It's Durham is kind of, I guess, starting their own kind of South by Southwest type festival. Mm-hmm. So it's not just a music festival, but it's got. You know, just like South by Southwest, it's got, you know, arts, um, technology conferences, that kind of thing. Um, and it's all over town, uh, at different venues. So their music festival is, is playing across, uh, I think four different venues. Um, and they asked me to headline one of them on, uh, that festival on the Friday night of that festival, which is the end of March. So really excited about that. Oh, that's awesome. Congrats on that one. Yeah, thanks. Um, huge, guess, huge news. One of the cooler things that's happened to me. So. Like, they, actually, that was like one of my questions I was going to ask you is um, uh, what was kind of like the biggest thing that you uh, had from the past year? Because I know the past year's kind of been up and down for a lot of people. Yeah, it has been. Um, I mean... I guess really just finishing the album and, and doing it um, as relatively quickly as I did was a a big accomplishment by itself for me Mm -hmm. because I usually take forever. And uh, this time I just, I got it done in around a year. So, so that by itself was, was really cool. And then just, you know, getting to shoot the video and the warm reception that we've gotten from the video for Deserve and just the single by itself and um, everything kind of falling into place very, very quickly. It has been really cool. Um, and now that you mentioned the the single, uh, that, that, that was something else I was going to ask you about. Um, kind of delve into more about what the the single's about and how you kind of made the music video for it so the single kind of came together very quickly um i thought i was about done with this album and in fact at the time 
I kind of thought that it was, I, I was shooting for an EP and I thought it was done. And then, um, I kind of got to this point where I realized how badly I needed to address my depression, um, and start really, really working on it. And I, started going to therapy and then i also same time and pretty much for the same reason i went through this creative spurt and just like boom 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 had a bunch of new song ideas that i did very quickly and i wound up with three new songs um and all of a sudden i'm like this is a this is an album now and not an ep and uh deserve was one of those so you know i mean the whole feel like people might listen to it and feel like it's depressing because it's got that kind of somber tone to it, but it's, it's kind of the opposite of that. It's more about just realizing that you deserve to be happy and you don't realize to, you know, kick your own ass all the time. Um, and then that, that came together. That song by itself came together really, really fast. I recorded, everything at home and then we mixed it i mixed it with uh my boy travis dark who's a very very good producer out of winston-salem which is a couple couple towns over like two hours from here ish hour and a half and uh mixed that all in one night at his place and got it mastered very soon after that and um within that same time period we shot the video i think we actually shot this was in october and we actually shot the video before we had finished mixing the song because it was not the kind of it's the kind of video that doesn't need the yeah. you know to be set beat for beat by the music yeah. um so we didn't even have the finished mix or master by the time we shot the video and all of that stuff came together inside of three weeks which was crazy. And uh, Scott just happened to be free around that time. And I was like, we were getting ready to have, to get another single out the door um, for, for the album. Cause you know, I hadn't put out anything since 2020 with uh, summer's over as far as like a big single goes. And we, uh, we, you know, I, we were about to get this, this one track out the door and then I started coming up with deserve and I was like, wait, 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 this has to be the single. This has got to be the single. And he was like, and I was like, and I kind of have a, you know, a loose idea for it, um, which stayed a loose idea pretty much because I don't feel like the video is super highly conceptual. It's more like a mood piece, but he was like, well, shit, I can, fly there next week and shoot it and so he just did and it fell together very very easily um uh the bar scenes that were at the that are at the beginning of the video um is uh is this bar anti betty's which is a, a place that um i frequent um there's there's only four people that work there um and and I am friends with all of them, including the owner. Greg was super cool about letting us uh, come in and shoot. We picked a Tuesday night because Tuesdays aren't 
typically very busy over there and uh we, it just it fell into place perfectly we got all that all the bar stuff done in one night and then shot the rest of the you know walking around raleigh stuff uh we managed to get in a second night so two night shoot and very easy um you mentioned that uh a lot of your music and a lot of stuff you've been dealing with has been uh surrounded uh by mental illness and mental health is that something you've always been comfortable talking about or was that something that is more recent for you it's much more recent much more recent i mean i've been sorry it's driving me nuts that it's just at uh, the slightest little angle <laughs> i've got to fix it i've got to fix it okay that's better um it's it's always been i've always been at least for the past couple of years i've been pretty open about you know saying that i have depression but i don't it's not something that's been um i don't discuss it a whole lot i i don't mm -hmm. really i've never really like tried to hide that um I know I'll put it this way. I've never tried to hide the fact that I have depression. Mm -hmm. What I have done and realized that I've been doing a pretty good job of for years is pretending that I'm okay. And I feel like only people that are around me that have been around me, like really consistently had much of an idea. Um, and once I started really evaluating how I need to handle myself and being like, I don't want to be this miserable anymore and started putting in the work. Uh, it got a lot easier to talk about too. So. Uh, I know for um, a lot of people, especially with the pandemic, it's been, it's been kind of extremely rough. So to hear more artists talk about it, especially as I've been doing a lot, of interviews lately i know a lot of people have been more open about whatever issues they've had that they've been struggling with so i i guess my, yeah. my next question is um how did you come up with the name animal weapon and because it's an interesting name yeah um so i'm kind of occasionally they're gonna Scott's going to kill me for saying this. Um, I, I occasionally actually get really sick of the name, but I've stuck with it for so long. I, I, you know, I, I can't change it now. But it's it came about in, it was 11 years ago. I was finishing up like the first song and I was trying to figure out a, a name for like the project. Like what is this? You know, I didn't want to put my own name on it. I wanted something that sounded like a band name so that I could, it, you know, so that the music would sound like it could have been done by a band, but it was really just me. But then I would also have the opportunity to bring other people in, you know, kind of like Gorillaz or Nine Inch Nails, something like that. Yeah. Um, and I, I was, I was reading a Deadpool comic and he, at the beginning of it, he was, injecting hamsters with rabies and stuffing them into the barrel of a shotgun oh, and then wow. and then like a bill collector or something like where maybe the irs came to his door and he like shot a rabid hamster out of the <laughs> shotgun so literally a weapon that fires animals so, so it's just it's like really crazy and really just like something that's yeah. just like the most random thing ever 
and it sounded cool at the time. I uh-huh. like I said, I'm kind of I'm kind of sick of it now. The the interesting thing about it is I picked something that was a vague enough kind of mm-hmm. name that I could switch gear because, I mean, you know, it's electronic music and it's kind mm-hmm. of dream pop right now. But if you wanted to use that name for a metal band, you also t- that would also totally work. Mm-hmm. It could work for a lot of stuff. Actually. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Um, so, I guess and I, I wanted to, to give myself that latitude. So, um, I guess I wanted to kind of talk about a little bit more about how your typical creative uh, and writing process is for Animal Weapon, and um, I know you also have done uh, podcasts. Uh, you've mm-hmm. written music for podcasts, and mm-hmm. does is those are those processes different? Or are they kind of similar? Oh, to- so writing for Animal Weapon and doing stuff for podcasts are worlds apart. Um, for for Animal Weapon stuff, there's not really a, a typical process. It's it kind of boils down to you know three or four different methods. Um, sometimes it just comes from me sitting down and not really having any kind of um, roadmap or really even an idea at all. And I'll just sit there with logic and start playing around with sounds and flipping through it. When it, when it starts this way, it's almost always starting with me flipping through, you know, serum presets or looking at stuff on splice and seeing if there's anything that I, you know, that, like grabs me. Um, so that's one way. And I feel like that's most of the time. Um, and very rarely I'll have a melody pop into my head and I'll have to go recreate it. Even if I just hum it into my, um, into, you know, my voice memos on my phone and find a way to recreate it later and then find the right sound for it. The melody coming to me first is a pretty rare occurrence. Um, and then, or sometimes I'll just have, you know, a cool, a cool rhythm pop into my head that I need to go replicate, um, on, you know, whatever drums, even if I just start on like an 808 kit. Uh, so those are the three general ways that it starts. Every once in a while, there's some kind of combination of those, but it's almost always, that the instrumental comes together and and I'm writing the lyrics as the instrumental is coming together. Sometimes the entire instrumental is done before I have almost any of the lyrics. And writing lyrics goes all over the place because sometimes I'll sit down and write the whole song in 10 minutes or less. And then sometimes it will straight up take me years Cause I'll have wow. a really, I'll have what I think is a really good instrumental. This happened with turn the lights down. Um, and like fourth quarter was another one. And it was one of those things where, you know, I had the instrumental for a very long time, like turn the lights down, especially I did that whole instrumental in maybe a weekend. And it wasn't until two years later that wow. I, I had finished the lyrics and recorded them and then it came out not that long after I finished recording it. I mean, I, but I'm kind of glad that it worked out that way. And by the way, just in between those two times, I'm listening to that instrumental 
constantly, like at least a couple times a week, just seeing if anything will come to me and being like, I don't know how much longer it's going to take. Might be another year, but I know this one's going to be good. And I'm almost always right about that because turn, I feel like turn light sound is one of my, one of my best ones. That um, doesn't like bother you where you oh, no, it, it's something for like years and it bothers later. the shit out of me but i don't you know i can't i mean i don't really you know it takes how long it takes you know um and i don't i would much rather for stuff for songs like that especially with like turn the lights down i'm glad it took that long rather than me just being like let me just crap something out and hope it's okay forcing the issue and kind of forcing lyrics that don't fit right and plus the other thing is is turn the light with turn the lights down i think i actually needed to go through some shit first before i wrote because i was i was like i know this has got to be but i just i don't i don't have it it's not coming to me and that year I went through a really, really awful breakup. Um, I was not doing great for a, a good few months. This was like 2015. Um, and I had gone through like awful, awful breakup and I was kind of just starting to put myself back together. And I was like, okay, I want to get back to music. I really want to finish this EP. And that's when the rest of those, those lyrics came to me. And I was like, I don't think I could have written a song, at least not the way that I wrote it. I don't think I could have written a song if I hadn't gone through that. So well, sometimes they just they just take time to get to you. Yes, it's almost like you write maybe a half of the song, you write the other half, and they just kind of meet each other in the middle, whether that takes mm-hmm. months or weeks or years. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. And the way that I write lyrics is very, very interesting because I... I write across different mediums because sometimes let me see if I've got. So sometimes I'll write stuff in a notebook. If a, if a, if I'm not by a notebook and a random line pops into my head, um, you know, I'll just, I'll put it in my notes app real quick. But if I'm sitting down writing, I have this chaotic mess in here. Like here's where I was writing the, the lyrics for know what you are and i will just pick random parts of a page mm-hmm. like a corner and i'll start scribbling down a couple of lines and then i'll pick another random part of a page that's nowhere close to it and then once <laughs> i start getting phrases together like i don't know how well you can see this but i'll draw like a little bracket around it and be like okay yeah. i think i think that's that's one part of one verse this all goes mm-hmm. together and then i'll rewrite it over and over and then once i finally have got everything then i'll go back and write it cleanly down the lines so it's, i don't it's know why sim- i do it that way but it's kind of similar to when i'm like writing something that's long form like a album review i'll just jot down notes and then i'll go back and kind of fill it all in together so it's more coherent because you, sometimes yeah. you just have to get out the words so you don't forget and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Are you because you get mad at yourself later when it's like, oh, that yeah. was a good line or something, and, and you don't. That's the worst feeling ever. Yeah, I hate. I hate looking back on stuff and being like, shit, that would have been. But that's why I take so long with stuff mm-hmm. because I try. I'm trying to minimize how much I have to 
do that, you know? Um, and then, but all of that, all of that's very, very different from like the podcast stuff. The podcast mm-hmm. stuff is kind of easy breezy for me. Um, it's at least, um, at least as far as the, the process feels easy. I mean, not to say it doesn't take a lot of hard work, but it doesn't feel as taxing because I'm not emotionally invested in. You know, with the podcast stuff, you know, um, you know, like I love, I love working with Rabia. She's always fun to work with. And I, I think we're probably going to just keep, you know, whenever I'm, she knows I'm on call whenever, whenever she needs me. Um, but like, you know, the, the other stuff that I've done, you know, at the, at the same time, it's, it's not really my music, right? It's meant to serve a different purpose and it also really can't call too much attention to itself if it's supposed to be something that's going on in the background right Mm -hmm. so that i've got that going for me i don't have to worry about keeping a listener hooked because the music's not supposed to be doing that anyway and you know just the overall not being emotionally attached to it, you know, none of that podcast stuff is ever going to be a representation of, you know, something big that I went through or some big conceptual idea. It's, you know, it's, it's a lot less involved and I don't have to pour my heart and guts into it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I just have to make, I just have to make stuff that suits a mood. How did you even get involved into the into the podcast music? I had never really thought about that when I was listening to podcasts. That there was like, oh yeah, music in the background. Who's Somebody's got to do it. That? Yeah, yeah. Well, so the first thing I did was Rabia Chaudhry's um, uh, undisclosed podcast, and that is almost an unofficial. I really hate to call it. I don't want to call it like a sequel, but it kind of, it was born from the first season of Serial because Mm -hmm. Serial didn't really get into enough of the details. And really, I, I feel like honestly for, um, for entertainment value, it felt like it intentionally left it on, um, an ambiguous note as to, as to whether or not and non, you know, it was guilty, which is, I think, horrible, um, because these, this is somebody's real life and he's, uh, wrong, he's been wrongfully convicted and, um, you know, a, you know, a teenage girl is dead and it, we still don't know why, you know? Um, and I started listening to undisclosed because Rabia was telling it was Rabia telling the rest of Adnan's story. You know, she still talks to Adnan constantly. Um, um, her brother is still best friends with Adnan, and so I, I started listening to Undisclosed and I started following Rabia on Twitter, and I noticed that Rabia was very engaged on Twitter and um, and seem to have a really good involved like involvement with her followers and you know was would 
frequently be tweeting them back or, you know, so I don't know why it popped into my head, but it, I just thought, you know, why don't I just tweet? I just, why don't I just tweet and offer my services? So I just tweeted at, at Rabia, you know, Hey, uh, free music if you want it. Um, and I didn't really think that was going to go anywhere. Went to bed. And the next morning, um, she had gotten right back to me and she was like, yeah, we're interested. And then mm. I just, you know, I got in touch with the producer, Rebecca, and, um, you know, started working from there. Um, and I did not always do it for free. They, they wound up paying me anyway. So I had initially oh. offered to do it for free. And then when season yeah. two rolled around, they were like, okay, well, we're paying you for this season and we're going to pay you for last season too. So. <laughs> So all sometimes well, you, ends well. Sometimes when you, you when you shoot your shot, you just never know, and that's what yeah. happens. Yeah. And you know, I and it was honestly, it was not about money at all. I really just wanted to be part of it, and it's still one of the coolest working experiences that I've had. You know, um, like I said, I love working with Rabia. She's uh, she's one of my favorite people she's a total badass and i kind of want to be her when i grow up so <laughs> um i i guess right are there any musicians that you would like to collaborate with and why oh god Oof. that's a tough question for me to answer because i know so the short answer is yes there are some but I don't know that I actually really want to because I feel like I'm very prone to imposter syndrome and I feel like I would be freaking all the way out if I was in a room with one of those people. Um, and I would worry about, I think I, I feel like I would worry about fanboying too much and I would be just worried constantly about disappointing somebody. So I don't know. I mean, obviously, I'd love to work with somebody like Fanagram. Um, those those two are, they seem like they're really cool. I, I mean, I, I met them briefly once um, at one of their shows, but um, they seem like they'd be a lot of fun to work with. I don't know. Um Man, that's a tough one because I have to, you know, I have to evaluate <laughs> how how scared am I of of disappointing this person or, or like getting in the room with them and they're like, oh, this dude's whack. <laughs> yeah, but I when it's when you talk about imposter syndrome, it's kind of amazing to hear like artists that you think are like on such a like a really high level. And, mm -hmm. and opening like huge shows and like arenas and stadiums and they still have it yeah and so it's it's crazy it's, it, you it's never, a tough thing to remember yeah so it's always it's always crazy you're like well i'm not really doing that much or i'm at these levels and everybody still struggles mm -hmm. with that yeah so it was wild i mean it, it, the same thing happened to me um it's it's constant, right? Anytime <laughs> something cool happens, it's still like, I've got it right now with the, um, with that festival that I'm going to be playing in Durham. You know, I'm like, why am I the headlining? You know, 
I'm gonna, I know I'm gonna get there that night, and I'll be like, what the hell am I doing here? Um, and it was the same thing when I went to the Webby's a few years ago because I won for, um, I won a Webby for the music I did on Undisclosed, and I go. I, it probably didn't help that I was completely by myself. I didn't, I didn't bring anybody with me that I go to that ceremony. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, this is wild. I'm at this big, you know, fancy event in, uh, Brooklyn and, um, and there's, uh, oh my God, Solange is sitting two tables over for me. That's wild. And, you know, Joel McHale is hosting. I'm like, there was so many times that night that I was like, I don't think I belong here. I think they got the wrong guy. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy because I've just recently started this podcast. And so anytime someone is like, yeah, sure, I'll be on here. And I'm just like, okay, um, this is weird because... I didn't want to do the podcast at first and I was because I'm always nervous talking to people on camera or even mm -hmm. in in person and stuff so you just yeah. you just have to get through it and be like well there people are on here for a reason so it's, it's you just it's something people struggle with and it's amazing that at every level people still have that that syndrome it's it's, it's crazy yeah I, I, it kind of makes you wonder you know, do you ever, is there ever a point where you're going to feel like you belong there, you know? Mm -hmm, yep. Or is it just going to be like that no matter how, you know? Yeah. yeah like I was, at one point, do you just accept that you're not an imposter, right? So. Yeah. Cause I was, I was wondering about that because I don't know if it, was, if it was an interview that I was reading or something. Cause it was somebody that was really kind of shocked to hear that and, this person has like Grammys and all these things. And I was just kind of like, wow. <laughs> and this is, and, and you're like, okay, so maybe, yeah. you, maybe you have a point there. Maybe it just always happens no matter what. Mm -hmm. And it's something you gotta just kind of deal with. That's what therapy's mm -hmm. for. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess my next question would be, uh, what fictional character do you think would uh most identify with your uh music that is a really awesome question and I've, I've definitely never gotten anything like that fictional character that would listen to animal web man see this is tough because i know no matter what i say later tonight I'm going to be doing whatever I'm doing later tonight and I'm going to be like, shit, that's who it should, that's who I should <laughs> I know I'm not going to say the right person right now. Okay. I mean, I'm trying to think if somebody from, I'm trying to, so I'm trying to stop and break down, um, like run through my favorite franchises, right? So, okay. Star Wars. Um, I don't know why, and I can't put my finger on it. I feel like <clears throat> I feel like Rose Tico from Star Wars would be a fan. I don't know why. I just I can feel it. Um, let's see. 
See, I know, like I said, I know, I know later tonight I'm going to be like, God damn it, that's who, that's who. I always say go with the first answer that comes to your mind. That's the one. I, I always say that one. Yeah. That's, so they go gonna, with the yeah, first I, one that comes to your mind. I gotta, I gotta say, I gotta say Rose. I also feel like, and I, you know, I'm not necessarily sure which one, but I feel like at least one of the kids from Stranger Things would probably be down with my music. Mm hmm. It, it has that, the, the sense and everything. Yeah. I, I, can, I, I can, yeah. I feel like, I feel like one of those kids would be into it. Maybe not all of them, but maybe all of them. Yeah, no, I'm just trying to run. I'm just trying to run. I think that's, I think that's all I've got for those. Um, maybe, maybe Peter Parker would be into it. I could see, I could see Peter Parker being in an animal weapon. Okay. But now to, uh, kind of level up on that question, which version? I, I, Either it's so definitely not Toby Maguire version. I think probably the most likely Peter Parker would be Andrew Garfield, but I could also totally see Tom Holland, Peter Parker. Yeah, Andrew Garfield, oh. Peter is probably the most likely one. I, that's actually my uh, my brother's favorite. I think is the Andrew. Uh, wait, no, I don't. I'm going to get this wrong. <laughs> I'm not sure. Never mind. Okay. I'll just say my favorite. My favorite's Tom Holland. I mean, Tom Holland is definitely my my favorite. I mean, no no shade to the to the other two, but yeah, Tom Holland is Tom Holland's a national treasure, not our nation's treasure, but mm -hmm. but he <laughs> he is for England. So, uh, I guess my next question would be. Um... What has been, uh, what is, what are, since you do music for podcasts, uh, what is one podcast that you've been listening to a lot lately that you really enjoy? <laughs> um, Too many to name. I know there's, cause it's, it's the opposite. Cause there's only, there's only one right now. Um, and it's Bodega Boys, Jesus and oh, Mero's podcast. It's yeah, it's Jesus and Marrow's podcast. They you know, they're on they have a show on Showtime, but they've had the podcast for a lot longer. Um and it's just two dudes from the Bronx talking shit for, you know, an hour and a half or two. And I've been listening I go for a walk almost every day and just listen to it and it's it's hilarious. There's no format to it. It's very off the cuff. I mean, there's a lot of recurring jokes and you know, uh, sound drops and stuff like that. But I mean, it's so funny and they haven't put out a new episode in a hot minute, but I've been listening backwards just pretty much constantly. I get through a, a few episodes a week probably. Um, and yeah, I've been listening, I've been listening backwards for a couple months. Um, cause there was a stretch where I kind of fell off and wasn't listening to any podcasts at all for maybe a year or so. So I know there's a lot that I missed there. Um, and now I'm back into like October of 2019. So, oh. yeah, so that's what a, a few months of that, a few months of listening is part. That's how far back I've gotten. But the podcast has been going since 20, I, I started listening to it in like 2016. So oh, okay. that's, that, I haven't heard of that one. Um, yeah, it's great. 
I get my next question would be if Animal Weapon had a podcast, what would be uh the first three guests on the podcast? I mean the first two would be Jesus and Mero. Um <laughs> but I'm gonna count those as one. First three guests. See, I'm trying to see if I would strike a balance between. I'm trying to see if I would get like, you know, famous people or. I might just have, I might want to just kick it with people that I know, you know. Um, I know for sure I would eventually, if I had a podcast, I would eventually have my sister, Abby, on because she's really, really funny. She's one of the funniest people I know. Um, Shout out to you, Abby, if you're listening to this. So, yeah, I'm going to go with... I think I would probably have, like, a healthy mix of of celebrities and people that I know. So I'm trying to think of who the third... I would probably also want to typically have... It would... If I had a podcast, it would not be heavy at all. I would always get fun guests, you know, um, and no nobody that would get too deep in it into anything. You know, it would all be people that I can um, that I can joke around with, or that I can talk about nerdy stuff with. Um, let's go back to Star Wars. Let's say John Boyega. Just pulling oh, my, out of Star Wars. My, yeah. That'd be really... My, he he yeah. seems like he'd be really fun to talk to. Yeah, he he gets pretty lit on Twitter sometimes. Yeah, he does. He He's does. like, I'm not taking this mess. Uh-uh. Nope, nope. Yeah, John, John Boyega does not play on social media. No, uh He's like, nope, uh-uh, that's not happening. Nope. Um, I that's guess, what I love about him. Uh, I guess I'm, I don't know how much more time we have left, but... I guess I'm, my last, my, I, my other question I meant to ask earlier, which was, what were some of the musicians that shaped your childhood or teenage years? So I grew up, I don't want to say like that my family was like that super, super musical family, but I mean, we always, it was musical enough. It was more musical than I feel like the made the average family, but I grew up with a lot of Motown, um, a lot of um, Beatles, uh, the Beach Boys. Um, both my parents, my dad, Beach Boys was more my dad. Um, both my parents loved the Beatles, and uh, yeah, lots of lots of Motown. But then, of course, you know, when I was little, also lots of Disney soundtracks. And then as I got into, uh, as, as I got older, you know, started listening to, you know, just top 40 radio. And then, uh, started then of course I, you know, once you're a teenager, you start getting into other stuff and you're too cool for whatever's on the radio. (laughs) Right. So teenage years was definitely, more i was into a a lot more rock at like during my teenage years that's in part how i got into nine inch nails 
Um, yeah, one of my uh, favorites. I, I Nirvana was like my first. Yep. You know, Nirvana. like a like grown up good band. You know what I mean? Air quotes. But yeah, I was. That was so that Nirvana. I think was the, the kind of the the me breaking into that, and that was maybe when I was twelve. I want to say. And yeah, I just stuff just kind of branched out from there. All the kind of likely, uh, likely candidates. Um, and and it wasn't until like later teenage years that I started to kind of get into electronic music. And it got to a point where, you know, pretty much starting from my, you know, early twenties, like 20, uh, probably by like 22, 23, almost all I listened to was electronic music and hip hop, obviously. So, I mean, hip hop was, hip hop was a, another thing for, you know, uh, teenage years, but I, you know, I didn't start getting into, into, I don't, I don't want to say, I didn't start getting into hip hop that wasn't like immediately on the radio until a few years into that, you know, right. And I was, you know, I was, uh, I was an angsty teenage white boy. So of course I liked Eminem and, um, it wasn't until a few years later after that, like maybe, you know, later in high school that I started getting into stuff like, you know, most death or, you know, Twilight quality or common, you know, that kind of, that kind of stuff. What's your favorite, um, Nirvana album? I think in utero. I mean, I feel like the easy answer is to say never mind, and maybe it is never mind. But I mean, mm -hmm. I also, I also really, really love in utero. I haven't heard it in forever though, and every time, every time I hear it, unless it smells like Teen Spirit, anytime I hear Nirvana somewhere, I'm like, man, why, why haven't I listened to? Why haven't I put on a Nirvana album in years? You know, and then I still don't. <laughs> So I really need to. I should probably put on in utero this weekend. Mine is bleach. Yeah, bleach is bleach is really fun. I used to um when I very, very first started kind of learning how to play guitar, I would play um a couple songs off of Bleach with one of my buddies. Like we I think we recorded a really crappy cover of About a Girl, I wanna oh, say. Yeah. Yeah, I like because it's just it's like really really just raw it's yeah. raw the production is not very good you know it's, yeah <laughs> yeah it's not I mean it's, you can listen you can li you can listen to bleach versus nevermind and see a pretty stark uh-huh yeah yeah it's it I like the um I like uh sifting off of there that's my favorite yeah. one off of there it's you can the the clear difference between from like 1989 when that one came out to um in utero is and it's still kind of have some of the same kind of grittiness mm -hmm. but it, they took the the grittiness from um bleach and kind of cleaned it up on in utero because there's yeah. still some of that kind of grittiness it's i don't know i've read that's but it's more refined it's, it's more refi refined yeah yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And I guess we will, oh, I guess we're going to end it on these last questions, um, which are, 
kind of throw in a few this or that questions. Okay. Yeah. Oh boy. I know. <laughs> Instagram or TikTok? <sighs> TikTok. TikTok. I, the, some of the funniest stuff I've seen in a long time has been on. I mean, Instagram's fun, but, uh, yeah. you know, TikTok for sure. Sunrise or sunset? Sunset. I'm not a morning person, but I love, I love a sunset. Ice coffee or hot coffee? Ice. Summer or winter? Summer. Museum I get very depressed in the I get very depressed in the winter. <laughs> Museum or movie theater? Movie theater. Last one: big party or small gathering? Small gathering. I can't. Yeah, small gatherings are a lot more meaningful. Um, I'm 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 definitely past my big party years. I had fun at them, but. And I had the last one. Um, is there anything I might have missed? And what's kind of next on the horizon for you? I didn't miss anything. Um, so, you know, I've got my my uh, performance at Bull City Summit on March 25th. And then I've got a new single coming out before then. I'm just going to say March. And, uh, and then my new album set of constraints will be out April 15th. Sorry. The album release show will be April 14th and the album itself will be out April 15th. Awesome. Great. Thank you so much for tuning in and don't forget to hit that subscribe button. See you in the next episode.